Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast today is sponsored in loving memory of Beatrice da Fonseca, Alea Shalom. Lilu Nishmat Beatrice Miriam, sponsored by her son Moshe Israeli. Breakfast is also sponsored Lilu Nishmat Sharon's father, Aaron Ben Mushulam Zalman. Alava Shalom, sponsored by Sharon and Saul Artawa. Zal Baruch. Breakfast is sponsored by Alex Fallis in celebration of the Hilula of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and Rabbi Elezar ben Rabbi Shimon, uh, and in honor of the Kahal, wishing the entire Kahal Hatzlacha. Um, Rabotai, uh, as well, I want to just announce that tonight we're going to be having a special program here in the synagogue for Lag Baomer, and uh, we're going to have, first of all, a class at 7 p.m. called The Fire of Judaism, going into, delving into the power of, uh, of the Hag, so that's tonight. At 7 o'clock, uh, uh, I'm going to be speaking. At 7.30, we're having uh, a light, the lighting ceremony according to the Sephardic custom. We're also going to have music playing throughout with our hazan and a band. Please uh, come and encourage everyone to come uh, for the Leilui Nishmat or Bishimon Bar Yochai. This morning, or yesterday actually, I got a text from someone. They said, Rabbi, I listen to the class every day. And the whole beginning, you're always announcing all these sponsors. How do you get so many sponsors? So uh, I, wrote, uh, I wrote back to the guy, want to sponsor one day? He says, absolutely. His anniversary is in August. I said, this is how we get sponsors. <laughs> so Baruch Hashem, we zocher every day to have people uh, underwrite the breakfast and the classes and the berachot. Hazaku uh, Baruch to each and every one of you. It should be le'ilu nishama, le'rufuah shalema, u'lahatzlacha. For each person, marke de itle, marke de itle. The pasuk tells us, Vayidaber Hashem el Moshe bahar sinai lemor. And Hashem spoke to Moshe Behar Sinai on Har Sinai saying, and it tells us the mitzvah of Shemitah, of Yovel, etc. Rashi on the spot says, Ma'inyan Shemitah lehar Sinai. In fact, this has become a colloquialism that gets used in every single scenario. In Arabic, we have a, a very similar phrase, but it is decidedly less religious. In Arabic, we say, Azur, correct me if I'm saying it wrong, Minen lewen. Minen lewen means from where to where. Ma inyan shemitah etzel har sinai. People say it as an example. Somebody says, oh, you know, I really want to get married. But in order to get married, I feel like uh, I need to be a champion tennis player. Minen lewen. What does one have to do with the other? You might need to be financially secure. You might need to have a plan. You might need to, uh, you know, have, have uh, stabilized for your, uh, for your level of religiosity. But, you know, you don't need to be a professional. So, ma'inyan shemitah etzel har sinai. What does shemitah have to do with har sinai? That's what the Midrash is asking and Rashi is quoting. Ella says, Rashi, why are we saying, and God told us on Mount Sinai, and tell you the laws of shemitah. Ella, ma shemitah, just like shemitah. Ne'emru kilalotea v'diktukea misinai. Its rules and its details were set at har sinai. They weren't, Moshe didn't make them up. The rabbis didn't bring them, you know, from their own, of their own minds. It was all from God at Mount Sinai. So too, all the general rules and the specific rules of the mitzvot, all of them were brought about uh, on Har Sinai. So if there's a mitzvah in the Torah, you want to know where it comes from? Moshe Rabbeinu was taught each and every one of the various halachot and limudim, the things that we learn in Judaism, on Har Sinai from God himself. In fact, it says that he was even taught every chidush that every great student would ever ask his rabbi until the end of time. Even things that on one level or another, he didn't even understand, it says that God taught him. 
Where do we have this? We have this with Rabbi Akiva, that he showed him, look, there's going to come a rabbi who's going to be able to be Doresh, the tagin, the crowns on each of the letters. Moshe Rabbeinu said, then give it, to, give it in his hands. Who was he referring to? Rabbi Akiva. So on some level, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't know this thing that Rabbi Akiva later was going to be Doresh. So everything, every part of the Torah is, was taught at Mount Sinai. If this, if this idea is true, that everything was taught at Mount Sinai, so why is it that you waited until Shemitah to make this derasha? It could have said, as an example, in Parashat, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, Kedoshim, and Hashem said on Har Sinai, you know, uh, Kedoshim you. And then we could say, what does this have to do with this? The answer is that this mitzvah was given on Mount Sinai, and from this we see every other one is also given on Mount Sinai. And the Hatam Sofer answers, a magnificent answer. He says, that even though it's true by all the other ones, when it comes to this Berachah, the Pasuk says, when you keep Shemitah, and I will command my blessing to you in the sixth year. You'll make you'll make fruit for the sixth year, for the seventh year, and the eighth year. There's no being on earth that could ever promise this. You know why? Imagine as an example, I'm creating my own religion. It's called Farhaism, my own religion. Okay, from now on, all of you guys are going to join my religion. You're not going to be Yehudim, you're going to be Pirahim, okay? Farhim. Now, imagine I create a religion. I'd have to be an idiot to make a, a, a claim like this. As an example, if I told you, don't go to work on Tuesday, and each Tuesday you don't go to work, you, you'll see that you're going to make enough money on Monday for Tuesday. You're not even going to notice it. You know how long my religion is going to last for? Until Tuesday. Why? Because you'll go to work, you will stay home on Tuesday, you look at your bank account, you'll see that it doesn't match up to the other days. Chalas, my religion's over. If God is not actually divine, if Moshe had made up the Torah from his own heart, if he was a fraudster, a trickster, trying to get people to follow him, this is the dumbest mitzvah you could ever think of. Because you, you're literally building in a back door to walk out on the religion. Because you're promising something that's not going to come true. Only God, with His infinite power, only God with His control over the finances and the rains and the wind and agriculture and the world and purchasing power in China, only God could make such a promise and know that it's not going to backfire and have everyone see that He's a fraud. Only God could do that. Therefore, says the Hatam Sofer, Specifically for this reason, we have a scenario where the Beracha is coming in this way and God says, and just like this one is from Sinai, all the other ones are from Sinai. With all the other mitzvot, how could you prove it? So there's a great rabbi, his name was Rav Natan Ketzetner, and he said, he added one other point. He said there are other things in the Torah that are miraculous. There were many miraculous miracles in the, in the uh, Beit HaMikdash that they saw on a regular basis. So why don't we prove from those miracles and if this mitzvah is from the Torah or the other ones are as well? The answer is very powerful. Because those miracles, who were they seen by? The Kohanim, the Kohen Gadol. This is a mitzvah, a simple farmer living in Dimona. A simple farmer living, uh, you know, trying to make a light, make ends meet in the Negev. You know, all of a sudden, they re they're able to see and look and notice in their own life, this exact, 
this exact miracle coming true before their very eyes. If that's the case, says the Pasuk, and if this one's real, if you could trust me on this, you could trust me on everything else. I want to add, Rabotai, something, something beautiful about that comes up again and again in this week's parasha. Because in the parasha, we find the words, and you should fear God. We find the words, Ani Hashem, I am Hashem, your God, again and again. And the idea is that I want you to know and I want you to trust and have, have emunah that whatever I say is going to come true. Rabotai, I wanted to share with you an unbelievable story that to me is a tremendous lesson. There was a, a certain person in the times of the, the Sefer Ohev Yisrael, the, the Apterov. There was a, a guy, he, had a, he owned a, 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 a wine store. And people started speaking about this guy that whatever Beracha he gives comes true. Nobody knew him for anything else. He didn't write any books. You know, he, didn't, uh, he wasn't famous as a rabbi. He didn't go to any of the yeshivot. So, but more and more and more people were making their way to this guy, to this guy with the wine store for Berachot. Someone said to the Aptarov, what's the story with this guy? If his blessings are all coming true, there's got to be either it's he's a hidden tzaddik and then you should go and reveal him or it's not coming from the right place, in which case you should also tell the people. The Aptarov says, okay, he changes out of his clothing his rabbinical garb, he puts on a regular, you know, thing, regular coat, regular hat, you know, this, that, and the other. And he walks into the store. He's walking around, the guy is, you know, pouring wine like this, he's asking questions, the guy's answering. There's nothing special about the guy. The, that day he goes to the synagogue, he sees the guy praying, regular eye guy. At night, maybe he learns for a few minutes, you know, after Arbi, again, nothing special. After a day or two, noticing that the guy... Nothing extra special for the good, nothing extra special for the bad, just a regular, seemingly a regular guy. He goes up to him at the end of two days and he says, you know, I'm not who I say I am. The guy looks at him, he's, I, he, he probably figured out this guy is stalking him for two days. He never saw him before in his life. He says, really, my name is, I'm the opter of, the guy starts shaking. What is the rabbi doing here? How come he's uh, incognito, you know, undercover, what's he doing? He says, how can I help? I can't, I'm so, I'm embarrassed. I didn't treat you with much more respect. The rabbi says, listen to this. He says, I keep hearing that your blessings are coming true. Why are your blessings coming true? I've witnessed, I've watched you. And you know what? Not to put you down or anything, but you're not following all the ways of the tzaddikim. You're not spending all your time studying Torah. You're not praying with fire for 16 hours a day. What's going on? And the guy says to him, he says, I'll tell you the truth, rabbi. I don't know. But I started giving berachot, and they started coming true. And people started coming to me, and I gave more berachot, and then those berachot came true. So, I, you know, I'm just a regular Jew who's giving blessings. The rabbi said, it has to be that there was something that you did. The guy says to the rabbi, he says, you know, he says, I don't know what it was, but I could tell you when the blessings started coming true. Rabbi says, okay, that's maybe a good, a good place to, to begin, to figure this out. The guy says, a, a while ago, I was opening my store, and every day that I was opening, I saw I was losing money. I'd come to, shul, I'd come to what's it called, to the synagogue, I'd look at my books, you know, I'd pray to Hashem, please, you got to help me. <clears throat> you got to help me, I'm not turning, I'm never turning a profit. 
I'm just losing. Every day I'm opening. I'm losing more money than I'm bringing in. But nothing helped. One day, I came home. I gave the keys of the business to my wife. And she says, what are you doing? She, I said, I'm going to sleep. I'm going to go and take a nap. She says, what are you not opening the store? He says, every day I open it, I only lose. What's the point? Why should I bother sitting at work all day you know, and killing myself? I can relax in bed and lose less money. The guy, you know, I guess that brings a different meaning to the word paid vacation. Okay, so the guy goes, and the guy goes upstairs. He's thinking, he's thinking, for what, a week, two weeks, I'm sitting there moping around in this depression. You know, sometimes a person, they get into a habit, they do one job for many, many years, then that job falls apart. They don't know how to do anything else. You know, it's very tough. You know, God bless the community in Panama. They're suffering. The minute that the, the Zona Libre got hit, like the way it got hit, suddenly people who their whole life were in wholesale and retail in the free zone, they built their life on it. They learned every business lesson from their parents about that. They built, and all of a sudden, it's a non-starter. Where do you go from there? Well, you're going to just all of a sudden now, you know, start uh, taking typing lessons. You can be somebody's secretary. You're going to take a pay cut and a demotion. Line. It's very tough. Do you know what the guy does? He's sitting hiding in his room. His wife says, look, I don't know what's going on, but maybe it's just too difficult to do by yourself. Maybe you should take on a partner. The guy says, partner, Anna. You know, my whole life, I tell myself when to come. I tell myself when to go. I give myself a raise. I give myself a demotion. You know, and there's nobody else to answer to. To have a partner, Shema Israel. I don't think he wanted to tell his wife, look, you're my partner. Look how that's working out for me. Right? But either way, he wanted to save his marriage, at least has he. Okay? So here he is. He, he, his wife is killing him to take a partner, and he's stuck. She says, travel to the city. Maybe someone will give you capital. Maybe someone... I got into the car, he says. I'm driving. Cause just, to make my, just to get her to shut up, leave me alone. You know, I just figured I'll go. I get in the car. I'm dri- I get in the wagon. I'm driving to the big city. Halfway through, I know in my heart, I don't, want, I don't need another guy in there telling me how to run my business. Cause just because he has money. He doesn't know how the wine business works. He doesn't understand the barrels. My body, if you see guys doing that, you give them a nice wine, they swirl it around, they go, oh my, fruity, yeah, is that the best you can do? You know, people, they don't know, this is my life. He gets out of the wagon, and he says, I, I, I get out of the wagon, and I turn to the Shammai, and I prayed with all of my heart, and I'm crying on the side of the road. I said, Hashem, I have one idea. I can't take on some guy who's gonna tell me he doesn't know the business, tell me what to do. I want to take, but I need a partner. I need an infusion of capital, of creativity, or whatever. So God, I want to take you as my partner. From now on, every profit that we make, 50-50, half me, half you. But God, I think he wanted God, because God is generally, by and large, a silent partner. Maybe that's the reason. Either way, so he gets out, he prays, and he prays, and he prays. And, and at the end of his prayer, he says, I felt like a load lifted off of me. I felt like God accepted my... He goes, and since that day, he says, you don't understand. I got to the city that I was going to, and I went to the same wine merchant. I had no money left. I said to him, would you be willing to sell me one cask? It's a huge amount of wine. Would you willing to be sell, give it to me on consignment? I don't have the money to pay you, but I'll pay you back as soon as I sell it. No, he says, no merchant would ever do that. All of a sudden, the guy says, yes. I could already see my partner was uh, pulling strings for me. I brought the wine back, started selling it slowly. You wouldn't believe it. He says, I had a box on my counter. If I made 
one ruble, half went in the box for God, half in the, in the cash register. The next day, half, 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 half. Every day, the minute I made a cent, I split the, cut the penny in half. I put half and half. As soon as the box filled up, I went out and I spent all of the money in the box on the anim. I didn't hold anything back because who else is God? Who does God want to give the money to in this world? I gave it all to Sedaka, to the, to the righteous people of the generation, to Yeshivot and Mikvaot. Spent it immediately on the spot. He says, you don't understand, since that day, he says, someone one randomly asked me for a beracha. Berachot that I give on any subject matter. I give the beracha, it comes, comes true. I don't know why. I don't deserve it. At that point, the Abderav claps his hands. He's like, ah! He goes, now I get it. It's a Gemara Mefureshet. It's a Beferush, explicit Gemara. He says the Gemara says that if you have partners in a business and one of them, they, they, you know, and one of them signs a check from the business, says that we're going to give you, uh, we're going to pay the debt on this day or whatever. Even if one of them signs the check, he obligates the business on behalf of both of them. So if I sign the check, you now owe the guy money. Who's your partner in business? HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So you're down here signing checks, giving people berachot, and who's obligated by the signature on the check because you're treating God, because God is your partner? HaKadosh Baruch Hu becomes obligated. That's what's going on. That's why your berachot are being answered. I can't tell you. I read this story, and it blew my mind. Because you know what I thought to myself? I thought, here we are, every one of us, we're giving tzedakah, aren't we? Giving tzedakah. How much are we giving? 10%. If you're very wealthy and it work, everything's working out for you, halakhaz, you're allowed to give up to 20%. Is this guy allowed to give 50%? The answer is, he can't give it as tzedakah, but he can give it as dividends. There's a law that if someone in this country is not on a work visa, they can't take a salary of X but they can have a small salary under the cap, and then they're allowed to get bonuses. Ya'ani. Um, for the people on the recording, I'm just doing air quotes. Bonuses that you're allowed to do, that's legal. Here, he took God on as a partner. He's asking for extra si'ata dishmaya on behalf of that. That, of course, you're allowed to do. You took a partner. You could promise God, I'm going to do this deal, and I'm going to give half of the money to uh, Rabbi Fahi's charity. That works. That was a shameless plug for all the things I raised money for. <laughs> Rabbi Utai, I need you to understand the power of this. Because what I thought after that was even more powerful. Really, we're all missing an opportunity. Because whether we give 50% to God or we give 10% to God, we can be partners with Hashem. And you know what makes the difference between someone who gives 10% to charity and someone who has a partner for 10% stake in his business? Just the way you look at it. Just the decision that you've made to jot that down, to promise that, to make sure that that is how you treat your tzedakah money you're giving out. You have a partner in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And I want to share, this is not only obviously for tzedakah, this is in anything that a person does in their life. God is a partner in your life. Uh, say to Hashem, I see you as a partner 
20%, 30%, 50% of my life. When I'm spending my time uh, on me, that's my time, so to speak. And, but I owe you that the, the percentage of time that's yours. So as an example, when I'm learning, when I'm praying, when I'm doing kindness, Hashem, this is your time because we're partners really in, in my life and in my, uh, and in my business and in my, in my goals and in my dreams. Uh, there's something very beautiful about saying that out and recognizing that and it makes it so much easier to give uh, of yourself, of your money, of your time, of your effort uh, for the sakes for the, uh, of things that are moral and spiritual. Uh, I just uh, ended with one last thought. There was a story where the Hatam Sofer was approached by someone who had uh, a terrible difficulty in his business. And the Hatam Sofer says, I'm going to give you uh, a loan of 100 coins. It was a tremendous amount of money for him. And, uh, and he says, but on one condition, I want you to go to the fair. The first thing that you find that's a tremendous value, I want you to buy that. And then come back and sell it at a discount and, and, and turn a profit. And then you can pay me back. Anyway, the guy goes and he purchases the first thing that actually seemed like a really good deal. He followed the, the advice of the Hatam Sofer. And you, what, what do you know? He, uh, he turned in a corner and suddenly the money started pouring in and he was able in a very short time to come back and pay the Hatam Sofer back his money. He felt such gratitude. He went out and he bought a beautiful, magnificent go, uh, 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 diamond uh, ring for the Hatam Sofer to be able to give it to him as a gift to say thank you. He walks in and the Hatam Sofer says, thank you so much, I'm so happy you're able to pay me back. He takes the money, looks at the, at the diamond ring and he's looking at it in the light and he says, wow, you know, this is such a beautiful diamond. I've never seen a stone like this. It's so clear, it's so bright, it's so perfectly cut and the setting and the ring and the students are looking at the rabbi like, did he forget? that the law says you can't take rebate or, or anything as uh, a, 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 a interest on a loan. And he goes on and on and how bright it is, how beautiful it is, how lovely it is. And then after he finally, you know, finishes saying how, how much he appreciates, you know, the time and the effort that went into choosing the gift, he says, however, I can't receive it. I can't accept it from you. And he hands him back the diamond. And the guy says, oh, I completely forgot you. Right, Rabbi? I wasn't allowed to give it. He leaves, he walks out, and the students say, you knew that you wouldn't be able to take it. So why did you do this whole charade where you're talking about how beautiful it is? And Hatam Sofer says, I'm a rabbi. I don't have extra money lying around often to lend it to people. How often is it relevant to me to turn down rebeat? Even if I do lend someone, most people know that they can't offer me any interest. Here was a chance. I had something on the table, something beautiful. And you know what? It was amazing. It was so special. It was so valuable. And I was able to look at this valuable thing and say, it's so expensive. It's so special. It's so precious. But it's not the right thing to do, so I'm not going to take it. And I think to myself that the Khatam Sofer, when he was describing the diamond in his hand that was so beautiful and so precious and so special, he wasn't talking about the stone. He was talking about the opportunity to do a mitzvah. And even though he didn't have so much money and he had this opportunity to be able to bring so much extra in, he didn't look at that as a diamond that was so special. He looked at the mitzvah as something that was so special. Last week, a young fellow called me up and said, I have a case in my business, and uh, I really, I'm not sure if it's the right thing to do, the wrong thing to do. And I said to him, look, you know, uh, I'm going to look into it, and I'm going to come back to you. Within a few minutes, he calls me back, and he says, you know, Rabbi, um, I decided, you know what, even if it's allowed, I don't want to do it. So don't tell me whether it's allowed or not, because I've decided I'm not going to do it, it's not the right thing. I said to him, actually, I just want you to know, I didn't have a chance to call you back. I looked into it. It's 100% mutar. He said, Rabbi, why are you telling me that? I told you not to tell me. I said, because if I didn't tell you, then the reward that you get for not doing it is not so great because you know what? Maybe you weren't allowed to. 
But now that you know that you were allowed to do it, and it was mutar, and you could have kept the money, and still you don't want to do it because you don't feel it's the right thing to profit off of someone else's loss. Wow, what a special misvah that is. But to walk away from these opportunities requires a person to have that faith in God, to know that everything that was commanded by God on Sinai, it was commanded by the same HaKadosh Baruch Hu that took us out of Egypt, that split the heavens, that showed us uh, um, his, his very self on that day when He gave us all of the mitzvot. When a person knows that, they know that they're not going to get anything from doing the wrong thing. And ultimately, the God has a million and one ways to get you whatever it is that He wants to get you. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.